You're listening to the voice of the future, fighting for America every day. This is the conservative crusader. And here's your host, GOP Josh. Taking pictures with the pole will get us to all relax. Not to find that dementia is a serious disease. But come on, man. Squeeze your cheeks when you sneeze. Show us focus on ice cream while he's crapping his pants. We want our dreams and our freedom. This is our last chance. But this the hill we die on. This the line in the sand. Right no one on the battlefield. United we stand. We stand. Divided we fall. We need to finish the wall. They want to raise all our taxes. We done with them all. A rendezvous with destiny. Take the house and 22 just try to put a mask on me you'll see red white and blue everything well goes to shh but let's go brandon's a hit that is jr majewski who is my next interviewee here on the conservative crusader hey my name is jp josh thank you for tuning in this is the conservative crusader on the red future radio network that was jr majewski in his hit song let's go brandon and he is he he joined me today. I recorded it this morning with him on the broadcast about his congressional campaign. It went about an hour long. It was a great interview. Uh, you'll be able to hear that on my YouTube channel for as long as they keep it up because we do talk about the election. My Rumble channel and everywhere else you get your podcast: Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Audible, and uh, RedFutureRadio.com, as well as GOPJosh.com. But it's available all over the place. On those platforms. Thank you for tuning in this morning, this afternoon. <laughs> Very glad to be with you all. Um, with, with some somber news to start off the broadcast today, Donald Trump has announced his ex-wife, Ivana, uh, Ivana Trump, or Ivana Trump, has died. His first wife passed away at the age of seventy-three in New York City. It's being reported that she fell down some sort of stairs. She was found at the bottom of, of a staircase, and she passed away found that way she is the mother of don jr of ivanka trump and of eric trump she is the grandmother of 10 she is um just from what i know about the history of the trump family she was the one that trump loved the most like out out of the three wives i mean obviously he was the first she, she was the first choice she was the first wife of donald trump but she was also the wife that he showed the most care for, showed the most love for during their relationship. And um, I'm sorry for him and his his loss. I'm sorry for the family and their loss, all of her family and friends, in that sudden passing of Ivana Trump. Um, I used to think she was named after her mother, but it's, it's a little bit different. I originally saw Ivana Trump, and I read it as Ivanka, and I thought that Ivanka Trump had passed away, but it was... Her mother, Ivana Trump. You can read about that. The link is in the show notes below, below this podcast or above this podcast, whichever platform you're using it on. You're listening to it on is available right there. But rest in peace to Ivana Trump. And, and the left wing media took this and ran with it. The first thing they did, uh, the, the Re- Resist Libs or whatever it's called, the Occupy Democrats, I believe it's called. Let's see if they took this tweet down yet. They follow me on Twitter. I don't know who they are. I never followed them and they followed me on Twitter. Yes, Ivana Trump, Donald's first wife and the mother of the monster, uh, monstrosities, or however you pronounce that word, Ivana, Don Jr., and Eric, dies at the age of 73. She, they, they, they published that on their platform, saying the monstrous 
Don Jr. Ivanka and Eric Trump just with no respect towards the loss of life whatsoever. No respect. It's disgusting and and they they say the left when 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 they go low we go high. That's what Michelle Obama or someone said, right? Then why can't they go high? If Donald Trump is that bad, if Ivana Trump was that bad, but she had no involvement in the politics of her kids outside of just raising them with some sort of moral compass. If she's that bad, then go high. Be sad she died. Don't don't punish her kids on social media because she died. Don't blast her kids on social media because she died. That's that's disgusting. It's terrible optics. It's disgusting. I'm ashamed to be followed by them, to be honest, for being honest. That's nasty. That's disgusting. It's vile. But I don't expect anything less of the Occupy Democrats, if we're being honest. But we are going to move on to another story. Once again, rest in peace to Ivana Trump. And we're going to move on to a story about Uber. Um, This isn't really political. It's just overall news. With the Uber um, ride-sharing app or the whatever it's like. I've never used it. Where some random person can become a taxi driver out of nowhere. They can just put their car on the app and like, I'm going to drive you from here to here. And that way you can get around and I make money. That's pretty much what it is from what I understand. What I also hear is that they pretty much allow anyone to become an Uber driver. You can just go on their app, request verification. I think they might do some sort of short background test, but in like six hours you're able to drive. From from my knowledge of the app, I don't know that much about it. But they are facing a civil action lawsuit from hundreds of women claiming that the drivers had assaulted them sexually with various degrees of severity. The drivers of Uber which there aren't any sort of cameras. I mean, the driver can have a dash cam. But there aren't really security cameras. There aren't serious support processes or something like that. I mean, there, there's no big moderation on the platform. It, it's pretty hard to moderate things that happen in real life. It's not as easy as just a, a chat log on YouTube or something like that. It's pretty hard, hard to moderate something that goes into the real world outside of just a smartphone, as Uber does. But Uber is going to be the person who is blamed out of this. Uh, Uber's whole business model is predicted on uh, or predicated on giving people a safe ride home, but rider safety was never their concern. Growth was at the expense of their passenger safety. Uh, Adam Slater, who is the founding partner of Slater Slater Shulman, said in a press release, while the company has acknowledged this crisis of sexual assault in recent years, its actual response has been slow and inadequate with horrific consequences. So it says uh, the Uber's website, drivers must complete a background check. They are vetted annually. They received more than 3,800 3, safety reports across the five most severe categories of sexual assault and misconduct in 2019 and 2020. Lyft in 2021, their competing platform in March, um, they announced a partnership with them to create a joint database for drivers accused of sexual assault and other crimes, a movement to stop drivers from switching between companies following bans over inappropriate behavior. They were aware of these things in like 2014, according to this report, but there really isn't a solution. So they're being sued over that. I would never see myself getting in a stranger's car to to ride somewhere. I wouldn't see myself hopping in behind the wheel or behind the dashboard of a 2013 Honda Civic driven by some guy I've never met, some guy I've never heard of that has supposedly a 4.5 star rating on this obligatory app 
in a city I'm not from that I don't know. And I, I, it's just, it's weird. It's a weird scenario. It's a weird situation. Just the whole app in itself is weird. I, I really don't know anyone who would go out of their way to ride with a stranger. I mean, that's the same thing as a taxi, but taxis are usually vetted by the city of some sort, kind of like a Coda bus or something in Columbus. They're kind of vetted, but the Uber drivers are just not. It's it's just weird to me. It's just I, I don't find that comforting. I don't find that safe. I don't find that a normal thing people would do, just get in the car of some stranger to drive around somewhere. And these drivers obviously aren't safe, so maybe people shouldn't use Uber, shouldn't use Lyft, shouldn't use... These platforms getting into random people's cars. Same with Airbnb. You never know when someone's going to have a camera put in their building. When someone's going to have a a, a wiretapped a microphone hidden in their room so you, they can hear what you're talking about inside of their rental property. It's just weird. I, I, I don't know why this whole stray away from tradition thing has gone so far as to stray away from the traditional protection. It's a big thing with tradition is it's it's practiced... It's understood, it's known, and it's safe. And people feel safe when they are in traditional scenarios. They feel safe when they're in a traditional taxi, when they're in a traditional hotel, when they're in a traditional restaurant rather than these virtual kitchens, when they're in a traditional this and that. They feel safe. I, I wouldn't feel safe in a stranger's car. Maybe that's just me. But while we're talking about restaurants... A restaurant owner in Congress has had her restaurant closed. The Lauren Boebert Shooter's Grill has closed down. Now, Representative Lauren Boebert's gun, and uh, this is this is a story from the Daily Beast. So take that how you will. I want to read it word for word. Firebrand Republican Representative Lauren Gunn, Lauren Boebert's Gun and QAnon Employee Loving Restaurant in Rifle, Colorado, has officially closed its doors. As the Daily Beast's politics newsletter Pay Dirt noted last month, Shooter's Girls' lease was set to revoke, be revoked in August by the landlord, and on Sunday it was closed with a sign up front reading, Stay tuned, hashtag GoFefe. Quote, we were like family, I would say Shooter's for any employee was their life. We lived and breathed it every single day. End quote, repeat the line, Boebert said on Sunday after closing the eatery. They were part of the culture and the brand that were created in Rifle, and there was a lot of the pride in that. The restaurant closure follows Bobert in recent weeks by being baffled by bricks at a construction site in the Washington, D.C. area. That's the story from the Daily Beast. And, and I, I read the full statement on Facebook from Lauren Bobert, and she says it wasn't politically motivated. And who, who, who would know the situation better than her? I mean, who would know the the behind the scenes better than the owners of of the platform, uh, the owners of the restaurant. She said, um, where is this at here in this statement? Decision was his to make and was purely a business decision with no political motivation. That may be true. It doesn't change the fact that the restaurant's closed down. And that's why ownership is so important. We're moving into a culture of renting. We're moving into a culture of borrowing, of not owning anything, of not having physical possession of your home. You you rent for 30 years. You you have a subscription for your cell phone. You, you never actually own anything. And had Shooter's Grill owned their land, which I don't know how long they were open for, 
probably not that long, obviously, still leasing out their property. But had they owned the building, had they owned the property, this wouldn't have happened. And that's something we see a lot of with, with foreclosures on rents, with this and that. You, you have more liability, but you have more freedom. And the more you rely on renting, the more you rely on, on lack of ownership, the more that you just – your freedom is abolished. Your, your ability to protect yourself is abolished. And if Lauren Boebert's restaurant was privately owned of her – or was owned by her and her husband, if her building was owned, not the restaurant, but the building – this wouldn't have happened. And so I'm sorry her restaurant closed, but I mean, if, if you could have found a property that you could own, you could pay mortgage on versus pay a lease, that would have been a better situation. So the Shooter's Grill is closed. I always thought it'd be fun to try. You know, I'm not the biggest Reuben fan, which everyone raves. I never actually had a Reuben. Doesn't sound that great to me, but everyone raves about it. But we have... Um, we, we, I'm sorry for them, their loss with that. Not every business venture works out, but we will see where that goes in the future. Maybe they'll open it up again at a different location. Maybe they'll they'll take my advice and, and go with the, the owning aspect of the process next time. So we have some news about inflation in the next segment, as well as child support while pregnant. It's a new uh, proposal I support, I agree with. We'll talk about that when we return here on the Conservative Crusader on the Red Future Radio Network. I want to remind you all once again that this Saturday, Saturday, July 16th at 11 a.m., wherever you get your podcasts on Rumble, on YouTube, gopjosh.com slash interviews, redfutureradio.com slash tcc, you'll be able to see the Conservative Crusader with J.R. Majewski. He is the congressional candidate in Ohio's 9th congressional district running against Marcy Kapter. Marcy is the 39-plus-year incumbent running for re-election once again. Longest-serving woman in the House history. She is a, a fake, moderate Republican who votes with Biden like 99% of the time, voted with the Democratic Party like 100% of the time almost. She, she is quite the partisan. She claims not to be. She's not a populist. She's not a, part, or she's not a bipartisan person. And we talk about that. We talk about that for about an hour. It's a great interview. Make sure you listen to that at uh, gopjosh.com slash interviews on Saturday. If you're listening to this episode right now, you can find it in the exact same spot you're listening to this. Wherever you're listening to this on Saturday, there'll be a new episode that pops up. You might even get a notification. And it says, this interview is going on right now. You can click on it. You can listen to it. And you can let me know what you think by rating the podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever else you can rate podcasts. Check it out there. And when we return, we have that news about inflation and we have that news about child support while pregnant. My name is JP Josh. This is the Conservative Crusader on the Red Future Radio Network. Be right back. You're listening to the Conservative Crusader. This is the Conservative Crusader. Welcome back. This is the Conservative Crusader social media is an important way to stay in touch with your audience, with your community, with your fans. You can follow me on social media. My usernames are at GOPJosh20 on Instagram and on Twitter, at GOPJosh on Facebook, Gab, Getter, Parlor, Telegram, and Truth Social. Let me know what you think of the third rebrand in the year that I've had this podcast, this exact podcast, The Conservative Crusader. Uh, I like the picture a lot better than the last one. So let me know what you think of that as well all, through those social media forums or by rating the podcast 
down below. Just scroll down, you'll be able to find the ratings. We're like 3.5 stars on Apple Podcasts. The left just hates me. They go out of their way to listen just enough so the rating counts and then rate it negatively. So rate it five stars. It'd be greatly appreciated. Just scroll down on Apple Podcasts. It takes three seconds. Just press the five-star button, uh, the fifth star in the line, and it would greatly help me out on the Apple Podcast charts. So the average U.S. worker has lost $3,400 in annual income as a result of skyrocketing inflation since President Biden took office nearly 18 months ago. Overall, the Consumer Price Index, a key inflation measurement, surged 9.1% year-over-year in June, a more-than-expected increase that marked the highest level since November 1981, according to a Bureau of Labor Statistics report Wednesday. The decline amounts to a roughly $3,400 yearly income decrease for the average worker and a 6800 reduction for families in which both parents work, E.J. Antoni, a research fellow at the Heritage Foundation, told Fox Business. Quote, there are plenty of families that, that that's more than their food budget a year, unquote, repeat the line. Antoni told business, uh, Fox Business in an interview, I can't emphasize enough how much this is really crushing consumers. Uh, quote, it's truly crushing the middle class. And then the White House spokesperson says these garbage lines like the economy is in transition. Um transition in the same sense i suppose as an iceberg transition the high the i the titanic into a submarine thirty four hundred dollars is a lot of money and, and when i originally read this i thought it was an actual pay decrease of thirty four hundred dollars but the the uh pardon me the salaries the the payments of these people are not being raised to match inflation there's reportedly, reportedly, and I'm saying reportedly very, very lightly, reportedly, 9.1% inflation. I think it's closer to 13 or 14%, maybe even 15%, but that's the going rate, the, the going rate of inflation at about 9%. And so these rate, the these... People have gotten raises. The people are happy they've gotten raises. But this is going to kind of go along with the talking point of a $15 minimum wage. Wages increase. Prices increase. Inflation goes up. People are making less money than they did before. And is that $3,400 today or is that $3,400 when Trump was in office? There's a lot of unknown variables about this number, but I believe it. I mean, I believe that at least $3,400 is missing from the average person's salary every year. And it's Biden's fault. It's Biden inflation. It's not Putin inflation. It's Biden inflation. End of quote. Repeat the line. And if you don't know why I'm saying that, because I never actually brought it up on the pro- on the on the pro- on the program here, I cannot speak today. Um, this is what Biden said one day with Kamala Harris and whoever this next guy is next to him one day majority at the podium. Rights, and I quote: "Women, I'm just a quote now from the, the majority. Women are not without electoral or political power." It is noteworthy that the percentage of women who register to vote and cast a ballot is consistently higher than the percentage of the men who do so. End of quote. Repeat the line. Women are not without electoral and or political or or And uh, end of quote is an old thing to say, obviously. If you're quoting someone, you let someone know the quote's over by saying end of quote. What's not normal is saying repeat the line. Now, I never had to read off of a teleprompter. I've never scripted my podcasts ever. I mean, if you go back to the original episodes, you can tell I've never scripted my podcasts. But he has done the flunks of of reading the teleprompter multiple times. 
end of quote, repeat the line. Now, I don't know why his handlers thought he was he was uh, there, so to speak, enough to understand, read the line, or repeat the line. Why didn't they just put the line twice on the teleprompter? Would he have said, would, would he have gone up to his handlers in the earpiece and said, uh, guys, the, the same thing's on the screen twice, I don't know what to say. It's on there twice, I don't know what to do. Um, but what, what should I do to not make a fool of myself on, this, on the scene? And he's talking out loud, talking to everyone else in the nation. But they're hearing him, him talk to his handlers in his earpiece, but it's unbelievable. I mean, that's that's why I keep saying repeat the line when I end a quote, is because it's just it, it's funny, it's it's humorous, mocking the Biden administration one day at a time. Repeat the line, end of quote, end of quote, repeat the line. But the 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 hope we've we've talked about this. I think it was last episode of the episode before, where they where they were talking about ending the filibuster to pass abortion rights to protect the right quote to speak of a uh, so to speak of abortion and i've said there's no reason to abolish the filibuster if your feelings or if your opinions are popular of your, your whole caucus and your opinions are popular of the majority of the true majority not the single person you know what i mean you know what i'm trying to say there is that but joe manchin who could be the vote to end the filibuster if Kirsten Cinema also signs on. Senator Joe Manchin is is basically the shadow president. To the average person, Joe Biden is president. But when you look at what's going on in Congress, looking what goes on goes on in the Senate, look at what actually makes it to the president's desk, Joe Manchin is the president. And Joe Manchin says Congress needs to be serious about reducing its spending plans on Wednesday after the Bureau of Labor Statistics reported higher than expected inflation in June. This is from the Daily Caller. Quote, for more than a year, leaders in Washington Washington have ignored the serious concerns raised by myself and others about the rising cost of inflation. No matter what spending aspirations some in Congress may have, it is clear to anyone who visits the grocery store or a gas station that we cannot add any more fuel to this inflation fire. End quote, repeat the line, Manchin said in a statement. The CPI reported a measure 9.1% for June, the highest rate in 40 years, and a catastrophic development for everyday Americans, according to a previous comment by E.J. Antonia, Heritage Founder, Foundation economic uh, uh, economist, made to the Daily Caller News Foundation. Manchin has also considered a crucial vote for any potential budget reconciliation bills and bill, and so his opposition to further spending comes as a blow to President Joe Biden's plan to revive parts of his BBB agenda, The Hill reported. And I'm not a pro-Manchin guy. If he was to have to run in today's environment, he would lose by probably 10 points. Being generous. But he is strong. I would never expect a congressman, even though he is in West Virginia, he's DOA in 2024 anyway. But I couldn't see a congressman, or a senator, I'm sorry, in the state of West Virginia that's a Democrat go away from the mainstream Democratic Party so much. I mean, he's he's pretty much walking on thin water with whatever he does that's, that's left-wing when he's in Congress, when he's in the Senate. But seeing him stray away fully from BBB, seeing him stray away fully from raising inflation and from spending is actually a breath of fresh air. Because this left-wing party has not advocated for fiscal responsibility in at least 16 years since I've been alive. And even going back in history, it's been fiscal responsibility that's won Republicans massive majorities in the House and the Senate when Democratic presidents were in power. And I think the same thing is going to happen in 2022. Because Roe v. Wade is not a more important issue than kitchen table issues such as economics. 
such as gas prices, food prices. That's the true issues that's facing Americans. And if if the Democratic Party wanted a chance, they would be having Joe Manchin as their, I think his name is Rick Scott or Tim Scott, or Cotton, Rick Cotton, I think his name is, the one that's like the chairman of the NRSC. I cannot remember names to save my life. Tim Cotton. Maybe not. Uh, the, the the senator who's the... Uh, Rick Scott, I'm sorry. Who is the uh, the leader of the... Um, NRSCC or whatever it is. The National Republican uh, Senate Election Committee or whatever it is. that That's in charge of all their branding and all of their funding. Joe Manchin, if the, if the Democrats want a chance, should be that guy. He's the only Democratic Party member who is willing to say this inflation is bad. He's the only Democratic Party member that's willing to say this is a problem that the mainstream media and the mainstream uh, people, the citizens that we are supposed to represent as senators, these are issues that affect them. And I'm not going to vote for packages that are going to hurt them even more. If he was the spokesperson, if he was the face of the Senate Democratic Party, they would probably have a three to four seat um, boost just off the bat. If he was managing John Fetterman's campaign, if he was managing Mark Kelly's campaign, if he was ma- managing the campaign of Tim Ryan, they would be a lot closer races. But the mainstream Democratic Party can't get out of their mind that the average American doesn't want the Green New Deal, doesn't want BBB, doesn't want their gas prices to skyrocket like they were just a couple months ago, just last month, last week. They don't want their grocery prices to, to spike even higher. They, those haven't gone down. And Manchin is, is strong saying this. I, I don't like Joe Manchin, but he's strong with this. I'm glad he's standing his ground and stopping this agenda in the Senate where it should. It should stop in the House, but stopping it in the Senate is a good second place. And while we're talking about the Senate, there's one piece of legislation that's in the Senate that probably won't pass, but it'd be a great addition. It'd be a great bill that would allow moms to be awarded child support while pregnant, saying, quote, fathers have obligations, unquote, repeat the line. U.S. Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith, uh, uh, Republican of, I think it's Missouri, his office announced she co-sponsored the legislation named the Unborn Child Support Act. The act would permit a court to award child support patients uh, payments while the baby was still in the womb and up to the point of conception. Cool. I hope, I hope good legislation like the Unborn Child Support Act gets more support now that the Dobbs decision encourages to look more seriously at supporting mothers and their unborn children, Hyde Smith commented. She added, this legislation would help ensure women have the opportunities to receive child support payments from the earlier days in their pregnancy, unquote, repeat the line, and I completely agree. You know, people are going to see this and say, this is just a cover-up because they hate women. They want women to be used as uteruses. That's all they want the women to be. No, seriously. Life begins at conception. And fathers who walk away from that baby from conception should be responsible for that baby from conception. I think it'd have to be a kind of in the past payments, like if, if it was after the baby was born to do the, the DNA test so they can prove it's the father before he pays however much a month. But yeah, it takes a lot of money to raise a child. It takes a lot of money to even have childbirth. And that's the father's responsibility just as it is the mother's. And it's also the responsibility of the U.S. government in some sorts to figure out a way to make it more affordable. I'm not anti-government involvement in, in children. 
not actually what they're learning, but just making sure they can survive. That's not a bad thing to have. And I don't think this bill is a bad thing. I don't think it's a bad bill. I haven't read the full bill, but just from what I've heard about it, I mean, women are supporting their child from the day of conception. Mothers are supporting their child the day that it is conceived. And fathers who walk away from that child should be responsible from it from the moment it is conceived. Like I said, it probably have to be in the in back in time after the DNA test and proves that's the father because you can't really tell in the womb. But yeah, definitely. I completely agree with this. But this is not going to be the solution the Democratic Party wants. They just want abortion on demand. They just want complete and utter undistracted access from abortion to abortion. And that's why they're not going to pass this. It's not even going to be brought for a vote. I can almost guarantee you that. If it is, I I applaud them and I hope it's passed. But it's not going to be, and that's a shame it won't. But I encourage you all to look into it and I encourage you all to Read up about it and let me know what you think. 57GOPJosh7 is our phone number, 574-675-6747. Josh at GOPJosh.com is our email address. J-O-S-H at GOPJOSH.com. And that wraps it up for today's broadcast. But remember, I'm not going away just yet because Saturday there is the interview with J.R. Majewski, candidate for U.S. Congress in Ohio's 9th Congressional District, running against the one and only Marcy Kaptur. One and only in a negative way. My name is JP Josh. This is the Conservative Crusader on the Red Future Radio Network. Thank you for allowing me to be in your home, in your homes, in your cars, in your ears two times a week, or this week, three times a week when you listen to my interview with J.R. Majewski. My name is JP Josh. This is the Conservative Crusader. Like I said the first three times, my name is JP Josh. I'm tired of saying that. Uh, thank you all for listening today. And I'll hear you all Saturday, and then I'll be back Monday with a regular regularly scheduled programming here on the Conservative Crusader. My name is UP Josh. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Conservative Crusader. 